What's going on, y'all? It's your girl, Simply Bree, and you guys have tuned into He Said What? Now, today, you guys may recognize our guest. He is a returning guest. I think this is probably his third or fourth time. We can't get enough of him here on the network. So, the one and only Mr. Leo Flowers, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me again. This is dope. Yes. Yes, definitely. And so for those of you, if this is your first time watching, if this is your first time listening, um, I'm sure you're probably wondering, well, okay, what is He Said What all about? I'm glad you asked. He Said What is basically a platform where we allow our Black men to come on and have a conversation based on topics and things that you feel we are failing to address in the Black community and what we can do to actually improve the Black community. So we're talking about relationships and not just boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend, but relationships with our children, relationships with our friends, relationships with um, loved ones. So this is a safe space for men. And this is also just a really good way for us to understand the mindset and the thought process that goes through a man's head um, when we are experiencing said situations. So please make sure that you guys are subscribing and hitting the comments up. Let us know what you guys think about what our guest has to say. And um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get started. So without further ado, he say what? All right, and we are back. So um, as I stated, the show is basically talking about issues within the Black community that we are failing to address or we are intentionally ignoring. And um, let me ask you this, Leo, because I, I now that I think about it, what is the difference when you are failing to address an issue versus you are intentionally ignoring the issue? Failing to address versus failing to, you said failing to ignore? Failing to address or intentionally uh, ignoring. Uh, so, you know, that's a great question. I guess failing to address is is um, you are aware of what's happening okay. and not taking action. And I think intentionally ignoring is you're not quite aware of what's happening, but you're aware that something is happening. Okay. You know, uh, but yeah, I think that's how I would define that. Okay, that makes sense. That sounds good to me. I always wonder about, and, and I'm the one that created the whole concept, and I'm like, wait, but what's the difference? Because some people, <laughs> that I mean, a lot of the times, especially in the Black community, we live in a world where if it doesn't have nothing to do with me, I ain't worried about it. Like, that's not my problem. Or I'm not going to stick my nose into someone else's business where ultimately it can affect us all. If you take, for example, um, a man and a wife, I'm not a man and wife, a man and, a, and his girlfriend getting into an argument in a public setting and no one steps in to help, you know, defuse the situation. 
because it's none of their business. But then when he takes out a gun and starts shooting, now we're all a part of it. So um, in, in talking about, you know, even situations like that, okay, we can go into crime and culture. Why do you think a lot of people have the mindset of, if it doesn't involve me directly, I'm not getting involved. I'm not snitching. I'm not ratting anyone out because it doesn't involve me. What, where do you think that came from? Well, I know I can only speak from my personal experiences. And, and part of that, you know, growing up was, uh, you know, parents telling you, you know, to mind your own business. Yeah. Adults, you know, don't worry about, you know, my, even my mom to this day, I ask her about a day. Don't worry about what I'm doing, you know. Worry about what you're doing. And I'm like, well, why do you want me to call you? You know, if you don't want to tell me, you know, about how your day was or where you're going or, you know, all these things. And then and then, and then she's upset because, I, you know, I didn't follow up. I didn't check in on her. Well, mm-hmm. I, I, you give me nothing to check in on. So I'm you, a business. You right. You, you can't go to one extreme and say, stay out of my business. And they go to their extreme and say, how come you're not asking me about my business? You have it, you're yeah. not sharing anything with me. And I think part of the the mindset of if it doesn't involve me, <clears throat> I'm not going to get involved. Is a mindset that a lot of people have, you know, uh, as a, you know, I coach people and a lot of us have this black and white thinking, mm-hmm. you know, either you're with me or against me, either you're in or you're out, either you're an ally or you're an enemy. Right. And what we struggle to discuss and explore is nuance, the gray area. Meaning, I've had situations where I saw a guy beating up a girl mm-hmm. and I physically interjected. And then the girl starts beating me up. And that's happened twice. So, you know, I had the mindset of, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay out of it. I, yeah. If I see any altercation, I'm not getting involved, right? Mm. However, the middle ground would be to say, okay, there's a guy hitting a girl. I don't like that. I want to interject. When I've interjected, it's had negative consequences right. towards me. I don't want that. But also don't want to not do anything. The right. middle ground is just to say, when I see something, I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to call the cops. I'm, you know, I'm going to... Um, uh, I'm going to clear the air. I'm going to make sure maybe nobody else gets involved. Right. It's 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 about finding ways that we can stay engaged without compromising or putting ourselves at a risk that not we're not ready to uh, take on. Versus saying I'm I'm either all the way in or I'm all the way out. Mm-hmm. There's so many areas in between where we can be involved or we can be engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know don't put us out and, and don't put our life at risk and that could even mean that maybe maybe you don't call maybe you're afraid of somebody seeing you call and you know they go oh that dude's mixed so then you have yeah. that consequence so then you become involved maybe in um groups uh, for women who you do some volunteer work at a shelter for abused women or you run an anger management group or you go to school and get a get a master's. You know, I have a master's in counseling to teach people how to communicate more effectively. So then they won't end up putting their hands on other people. 
Right. So there are, what I'm saying is there are immediate actions we can take. And then there are long-term actions that we can take. You know, when a mom loses her child to a drunk driver, yeah. she doesn't just go around, start knocking alcoholic drinks out of everybody's hands. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. What did she do? She started a program called Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Yeah. That took time. That took effort. And to somebody who may be watching her at the time, be like, you're not even doing anything. But behind the scenes, she's making phone calls. She's yeah. rounding up troops. She's establishing a tribe and a protocol. And she's bringing awareness. Mm -hmm. So there are so many ways for us to get involved that don't involve us snitching or putting our life at risk yeah. or just doing nothing and being hands off. But if we shame people who it looks to us are doing nothing, then they're really not going to do anything. And right. they're not even going to explore how they can be involved. They're going to be too, you know, that's what you saw with this whole political movement where we're so PC that then people who wanted to help were afraid to say anything because they didn't want to say the wrong thing. Right. So we have to have compassion for people who are making an effort and recognize that in the beginning, it's going to look a little messy. It's going to sound clumsy. They're mm -hmm. going to say some things that might uh, rub us the wrong way or might upset us or frustrate us, but it's part of the learning uh, curve. And it is oh. part of us learning how to communicate, collaborate, and and, uh, and work together. Right. I agree wholeheartedly with everything that you said. And uh, if you guys are just now tuning in, tonight's guest is Leo Flowers. And we're talking about crime and culture and addressing unspoken issues or issues that are intentionally being ignored within the Black community. So one thing that you mentioned that I think a lot of people think of when they do witness crime, uh, domestic violence in a public setting, nowadays, how safe is it to call the police and have them intervene on a domestic abuse situation between uh, a couple um, with everything that we have been witnessing, that we have been seeing? Um, how, how, like, is that even a, a safe move at this point? You know, and the, the truth is, unfortunately, there is no right or wrong answer for that. Um, I've had a number of run-ins with the cops. I've been arrested before in jail. I was on parole. I stood in front of a judge. Uh, I've had, Get out of here! Oh, yeah. I've had, you know, it was uh, initially it was for carjacking and they reduced it to joyriding. Wow. Um, wrong place, wrong time, right. around the wrong people. Yeah. And, you know, those interactions with the cops at that time, the cops who arrested me, professional. Wow. Me and my friends, no issues at all. No gotcha. rough housing. They put the cuffs on real nice and gentle, you know, just enough so we couldn't get out. Right. Uh, but not too loose. Um, and, and then, but then when I got to the police station, uh, the detectives, they were cool. Uh, but the officer who was uh, at the, they call it the cage. Yeah. Uh, right. When they put you in the cage, the officer 
who was the, you know, he, he was the guy who they took him off the street because uh, he, he just, he, he, he was a threat to himself and everybody right. else. Yeah. They, they got him behind the desk. Right. Yeah. So that's the guy who was mouthing off to me the whole time. Right. And so I, I bring it up to say that it, it, we can't throw out this blanket statement of every time we call the cops, uh, they're going to show up and shoot and kill and, and have, uh, a, a, you know, a, a negative or a, a disastrous response. Right. Uh, and nor can we say that they're always going to show up and be peaceful. The right. thing is, we don't know, because at the end of the day, we're talking about people. And we're also talking about uh, in a lot of cities, a lot of uh, areas, you know, these cops are working, you know, two 12 hour shifts back to back um, and poor benefits. They're not getting paid well. And this is not to have compassion for them. But what I'm saying is understand there's going to be a consequence for calling somebody into a high threat, high risk situation who is has not slept, yeah. right? Who has been on the job for 12 or 14 hours, uh, their, their thinking, their reaction, their response may not be the best. And now I'm not saying it always has to, it's always about that, but, you know, yes, there are cops who are racist. If you, you know, if there's a domestic violence situation, Mm-hmm. That household typically always has a domestic violence situation. Yeah. And so what you'll find is the same cops will keep showing up. So yeah. over time, you'll learn if I call the cops in the evening, these are the cops who will show up right. and they're cool. Versus if I call them in the morning, these cops will show up and they're not cool. Right. right? So as a as a community, this is where conversation within a community talk, uh, you know, get, gets involved where maybe you see a domestic violence situation take place and you want to call the cops, but you're new to the neighborhood. This is when you talk to other people in the neighborhood. Hey, uh, you know, what's going on in 5B? You know, yeah. do, do you guys call the cops and, 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 and who's cool, who's not? So yeah. it's not just about saying the cops are this or that. It's about putting in an effort to find out who's policing your neighborhoods yeah. and who's going to, sh- who shows up at this hour, who shows up at that hour and who can I talk to and who, uh, you know, who's on the take yeah. kind of thing and who's about to retire mm-hmm. and, and et cetera, et cetera. So it requires communication with your neighbors right. and putting in that, and that's, and that could take time. Yeah. And, and that's okay, but that's what we're here for. Right. I, I definitely like that, um, getting to know your community, um, yes. because, you know, a lot of the times we move to different places and you like, listen, nobody better come knock at my door. I'm not giving no sugar, no flour, no nothing away, no eggs, no bacon, no nothing. Don't come knocking at my door. And you really don't know who you live next to. You don't know who lives in your neighborhood until something happens. And then when something happens, everybody comes outside. And now you all are talking and, and, and having conversations with one another. And that's when you start to learn, oh, this is my neighbor. I didn't know that that was my neighbor. I didn't know that this is their situation. So being proactive about it and actually just introducing yourself and getting to know those who you are around 24-7 is ideal. Um, now, it's interesting because... 
in relationships, a lot of people try to, especially if you're in a negative or a bad relationship, you try to keep that under hush hush. You try to keep it within the four walls. So once it makes itself, uh, makes its way outside the four walls, that's when it allows the community to get involved. Um, the interesting thing is that we have to learn how to hold ourselves accountable. The way that we interact with police is going to reflect the way that they react with us. So if you are approached by a police officer and you're yelling and you're swearing and F this and F that, okay, now you're getting them riled up. And I know that, you know, some people will be like, well, this is what they get paid to do. Okay, well, just because you put on a uniform doesn't mean that you should tolerate someone, you know, using slurs against you and, and cursing at you. Um, or even threatening you. Um, I think, if anything, for a police officer, that's a form of disrespect. And that's going to get a reaction. So I think if we are able to be more mindful in the way that we conduct ourselves, that's going to help the whole situation. It's going to give you a different outtake. Um, a lot of the times, the videos that we see, people are swearing. People are all in the officer's face like this, like, they're trying to do their job. And I think if we begin to understand that and respect the fact that they're trying to do their job, they're trying to help us. That's why someone called them out. Then it's going to help improve the relationship um, between the person who called the police and the police actually coming out. Yeah. You, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who does uh, research uh, on race relations and one of the things she mentioned was the, the difference in how um, middle class, poor, the poor class, the lower class, and the upper class, how they communicate differently mm -hmm. and how we interpret things differently. So, for instance, you know, when you grow up in, a, 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 you know, a lower class household, minority household, mm -hmm. typically... When your mom asks you a question, it's a directive, right? Meaning like, uh, did you clean up your room? That means you better clean up your room. And if I go in there and it's not clean, it's going to be consequences, right? right? And so, and I bring that up to say that in some instances, when a cop pulls you over and he asks, do you have a driver's license? He's not telling you to pull out your driver's license. He's asking if you have one. Right. He's, he's looking for a verbal response of yes or no. And so, but we take that sometimes as an indication to reach for our driver's license. So then the cop who might already be scared yeah. might be like, why are you moving? Right. Understanding that we've been conditioned to learn that questions are a directive, right? And so we have this miscommunication of two different styles, and then that can cause, uh, you know, usually uh, a deathly outcome mm -hmm. for whoever's uh, the, the cop is pulled over, right? And and so, but you know, speaking to your point of, you know, yeah, when you're pulled over, and I and I know it's so hard. In my heart, I've, I've been pulled over so many times. I've had cops pull guns out on me a couple of times. And 
And I, the anger, the amount of anger and rage that I sometimes have, I can't even watch. I can't watch black, mm-hmm. um, any black slavery movie anymore, anything with uh, police brutality. I can't, I can't look at it. Like mm-hmm. I got, I got too many experiences yes. built up and the scars too deep. Yes. So, but I, I recognize that if I'm having a bad day and the cop is having a bad day, the cop is going to win. Right. Yes. So I have to check myself and then either go for a swim or punch a bag or call a therapist or, you know, work in the garden or bake bread or chop wood or carry <laughs> water or, you know what I mean? Right. You got to find gotta, something. I got to shave my beard off. I got to do something. <laughs> something's got to, something's, you know, I got to do some laundry uh, uh, something, uh, you know, call up the ex. Something, something got to go down. Something got to happen. Right. This tension, this, this frustration yeah. has to come out somewhere. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So these are not conversations that we have typically been grown up um, to have uh, when we were younger, Right. Um, the conversations that I remember having when it came to law enforcement as a child in a black household was, you respect the law. You respect law enforcement. Um, they are here to help you. Um, they're here to protect you. Um, if you do something bad, they're coming to get you. But nothing to the extent where the conversations now, like I had with my son, who was at the time, I want to say he was like probably nine or 10. I had to tell him, Hey, if we're ever in the car and I get pulled over, I need you to put your hands to the ceiling. Just try to touch the ceiling as high as you can so that there's no reason for anything to go left. Um, You know, so how important are these conversations to take place in black households in today's time? Great question and powerful question. And and, uh, and why I feel like I'm interviewing you, but I appreciate you sharing that story of, you know, that, that conversation you're having with your child. Yeah. And, and I want to expand on that because we are teaching our children how to have a conversation with police officers, mm-hmm. right? Right. How to engage, how to appear non-threatening, how to prevent things from escalating. Right. And what we're not doing more often than not is teaching our kids how to talk to anyone so that it doesn't escalate, so mm. that it doesn't end with us being shot or killed or murdered because we know you look at somebody the wrong way, the tone of your voice is a little, you know, you, you do something with your voice gets a little too deep. Yes. You stand a little too close to somebody, you move a certain way. You know, me and my boy, I remember in college, you know, I'm from Chicago and I come back home for the holidays and my boy meets this this girl and, and she lives in a project. She lives in the hundreds, you know, mm-hmm. and and so I go with him. I'm like, I can't let my boy go over there by himself. <laughs> right. And, you know, we, we nerds in college, we got our Letterman jacket on, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So we're approaching the projects. We got our hands in our pocket. It's wintertime. It's cold. Okay. And, you know, a few gang members are, are standing out. You know, every every gang has their territory on the buildings. Mm-hmm. And, a, you know, a couple of the, the members are standing there and, and they go, yo, y'all need to take your hands out your pocket. So I just slowly take my hands out my pocket because I heard the Buster Rhymes song. Put your hands where I can see. Right. <laughs> so I know you're not holding nothing. Yes. So I, I immediately understand. My friend, he freaks out. He goes, like this. And I was like, dog, like, in my head, I'm like, man, he just got a shot. Right. You know, right. You know, so, but my point is, is, you know, nothing happened, fortunately. Yeah. You know, we explained we was there, to, you know, to meet a girl and, and it, it, it was cool. Um, but my point is, is that communication with anybody mm-hmm. needs to be taught in households because nine times out of 10, you go, you're going to have a moment with your boss. Right. You jump across that table or your coworker, you know, want to touch your hair or, you know, or somebody yeah. puts their hand on a small of your back, or, mm-hmm. you know, or e- even a family member or a stranger on a bus. And right. so we need to learn conflict resolution across the board. Yes. We need to learn body language across the board because in relationships, not with cops, is where we're more likely to get into an argument, is where yes. we're more likely to get into a fight. You know, I just listened to 50 Cent's book mm-hmm. and 50 Cent was like, yo, I could handle anybody on the street. Yeah, I can handle, you know, any and anybody in the in in the, in the offices, any corporate, whatever. He goes, but my family brings me to my knees. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can't let the conversation stop at how to handle when an officer pulls us over, but how to handle, you know, when, when you when your son and it gets older and his and his wife is in his face mm-hmm. and he feels like she's like cornering him or flooding him or how do you respond to that? Do we put our hands on the ceiling? Right, right. I, I'm, I'm with you. It's very interesting. I'll make this point, and then we'll go to a commercial break. I remember just recently having that same discussion with my son because what happened between us, I was walking by him one night, and he had. I was holding a water bottle, holding a water bottle, walking. And he decides to throw something at me and hit me in the back of the head while I was walking. So I said, huh. So I turned around and I took the water and I threw it in his face. So to him in this discussion that we were later having, he felt like my reaction was uncalled for. He just threw something small, a paper towel, and it just hit me in the back of the head. And I threw water in his face. It was a bunch of water. And I had to explain to him and I had to say, listen, what you need to understand is that you cannot dictate how someone reacts to something that you did. If you would not have thrown it, it wouldn't have gave me reason to react. So granted, yeah, I could have just turned around and picked up the paper and threw it back at you. But I can react how I want to react and how I see necessary. So when you get older... And you hit someone, hit someone, you can just go like that. If they decide to punch you in your face, 
they have every right to do it because they're protecting themselves. It's a reaction. It's not your judgment or your call to say, I'm going to hit you in the arm and you have to hit me back in the arm. You don't have that right once you put hands on anybody. Someone can easily say, I fear for my life. I didn't know if this person had a weapon on them or what. I had to defend myself. And saying that to a teenager, especially nowadays, it doesn't make sense. That's that's not right. What sense does that make? Who, who made those rules up? So these are definitely more questions and conversations that we need to have in our households because if we do not, guess who's going to raise our children? Guess who's going to have these harsh reality um, wake-up calls? If it's not the streets, if it's not social media, if it's not gangs, then it is going to be six feet under that's going to give them the harsh reality. So I agree with you a thousand percent. We do need to have conversations with children on not just how to communicate with law enforcement, but how to communicate with people in general, especially when you're upset, especially when you have that moment where all you want to do is just react. You have to learn how to how to cope with your emotions, how to identify what's triggering you, and how to move forward. So what we're going to do is we are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we return, we will continue with the other half of He Said What with our host, Leo Flowers. So you guys, we'll be right back. What's up, y'all? It's P here from P's Intuition. You guys might know me from Let's Connect with P's Intuition on He Said What Network. I provide spiritual guidance, energy cleansing, energy block removals, my famous honey drip for your skin and hair, um, and my famous bath salts. So if you would like to book a personal reading, please feel free to email me at psintuition222 at gmail.com or text me 336-942-9025 or you can follow me on Instagram at underscore pintuition underscore. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Love to assist you in any of your spiritual needs. Take care. All right, and we are back. You guys are tuned into He Said What with your girl Simply Bree and our guest Leo Flowers. Um, If you guys are tuning in from Blue Rain Radio, we welcome you. We hope that you guys are enjoying the discussion and you definitely want to make sure that you are watching the lives because the lives is where it's at, okay? You get the opportunity to put your comments up ask your questions for our guests. So we welcome all of our listeners from Blue Rain Radio. Um, If you are not familiar with Blue Rain Radio, all you have to do is go to their website, and I'll spell it out for you. It's B-L-U-E-R-E-I-G-N radio, R-A-D-I-O dot com. 
you can download the Blue Rain Radio app. Um, that way you can just watch shows until your heart is just super full. And um, check out all of the other shows that are up there as well. We have a lot of great DJs and other podcast shows. So Blue Rain Radio, you listeners, we welcome you guys and we hope that you enjoy. So now we are going to get into the nitty gritty with Black Love and Relationships. Um, I have been seeing a lot on the internet questions that um, it was posed by a lot of Black women wanting to know, do Black men feel any type of, not anger, but maybe disrespect when it comes to the way that Black women represent the culture? Um, Are we... Are we not representing it well? Um, do we have high expectations of the Black men? Um, so I'm going to pose this question to you, Leo. As a Black man, um, when it comes to Black women, do you feel as though the way that Black men are viewed, is it superficial? Are we reaching for something that doesn't exist as far as expectations on how you should approach a Black woman, how you should date a Black woman, how you should interact with Black women? Well, you know, what stands out to me from from the question is that word should, Mm -hmm. right? Overall, that's a word that we have to be mindful of because there are no shoulds. Right. And, and I say that because, you know, there's for so long been this image of uh, this idea of wanting a strong black man and, you know, a strong black woman. And uh, I'm a king and you're a queen and, and, you know, all these very hyper idealized versions of ourselves. Right. And, you know, my girlfriend who is Jewish and Russian, mm-hmm. um, said, you know, she, she would call me her king. She's like, Leo, my king. And I said, I'm not your king. I'm not a king. I'm Leo. And because w- what I want to avoid is putting myself in a box where I feel like I have to live up to someone else's expectations of myself. Mm. So that's the thing we have to be mindful of in relationships. Right. In movies, it seems very romantic to idealize the other person. You're my queen. You're my everything. You're my forever. You know, I love Jones. Right. You know, you're the this, you're the that. And, you know, if you know anything about prison culture, it's through labeling someone that they start to control you. Mm. Right. They'll say, oh, man, you're real smart, man. You're real good at that. And that's because they want you to keep doing that thing, oh. right? They're complimenting the thing. Gotcha. Want you to keep doing, and they're going to ask you to do it again later. Yeah. Oh man, you real smart with numbers. Oh man, you know what? You're so kind. Even that, you're so kind. That seems like a very innocuous label, mm-hmm. but really, now if I feel a need, if I'm the kind of person who wants to be a, if I'm a people pleaser naturally. Then I'm like, oh, they think I'm kind. I'm just going to be kind. Now when they ask for something, I'm going to give it to them because I'm so kind. You know, right? And 
it does you don't it's slow and it's not intentional yeah this is just the way we've grown up right like you know for me i'm six one and a half i've always been a little taller than um you know my classmates so very early on very early on i was big man and yo big man yo big man and at first i was like yeah i'm big man you know? <laughs> <laughs> then I realized that big man comes with a lot of responsibilities. Yeah. The big man, yo, hey, big man, can you help me move this fridge? Yo, big man, can you, <laughs> hey, can you right. help me uh, uh, jumpstart this car? Hey, yo, big man, can you can you help me put up this top? Like, yeah. Like all of a sudden, because I'm big man, yeah, I got it. I'm expected to do everything. Yeah. And so we have to be careful about how we're labeling each other and what we say, you're my everything. I can't be your everything. Mm-hmm. It takes a village. I told I told my girlfriend early on, I was like, you know, you better have some friends because there's going to be days where you want to hang out and I don't. Right. There's going to be days where you want to cuddle or watch a movie and I'm just not going to be into it. I, mm-hmm. I cannot be your everything. You better have your mama on speed dial. <laughs> you know, you better you better make some friends with the neighbors because I have ideas and my own purpose and my own vision, yeah. uh, and it and it's independent of us, but it feeds us. It's nothing that would go against us. There's nothing that would hurt us. But it's for me. I have to feed me. I have to take care of me so that I can take care of us. And so I can also focus on you. So think about a relationship. We have to remember it's three parts. There's you, there's me, and then there's the relationship, right? There's, there's us together. And so to recognize what that is and not shooting on the, well, you should, you're the man, you should. Okay. If I should pay for everything and I should protect you, what happens when I get cancer? Right. Stage four. I have three months to live. Mm-hmm. I'm sick every other day. Should I still get out of bed and go to work and, you know, get on a roof? You know, what happens if I go to war and come back, I lost a leg and I have PTSD? Mm-hmm. Should right. I still be expected to be the provider and the everything. Now, of course, do my best not to right. let my challenges and obstacles be an excuse and become lazy and disengage and avoid, you know, challenges that may come up. But this idea of shoulds, a re- the purpose of a relationship is a ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I got it. Sometimes you got it. Sometimes you got the kids. Sometimes I got the kids. Sometimes, you know, you planning things. Sometimes I'm planning things. It should be a give and take, a back right. and forth. We can't say that we want equality from the world and then not expect equality in our relationships. Right. Right? And so the, the idea of shoulds is disastrous. Yeah. It's setting us up failure yeah be a man okay which man that's like saying be black what black are you talking about after black my dad's from alabama my uncle's from belize like what version of black 
are you talking about? Right. Black, super dark skin black. You talk about a uh, little person black, 300 pound black. Corporate black. Corporate what? black. What black are you? So when you say be a man, be a what woman? Right. My sister, I have three sisters. None of them are alike. Mm -hmm. They all, one is vegan. One eats the pork out of a pig's butt. You know, <laughs> I got it. My, my third one is religious. Like, we're people. Yes. yes. And the suffering comes in when we, when we fail to recognize that we are in bed with a person. Right. And not an idea. And not a category. Right. Mm, 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 mm. That's why, this is why you always are back on this show. Because the knowledge that you drop is just so realistic. It's it's just, it's so warm and touching and inspiring. And it makes you think. It really makes you sit back and think like, yeah, you know, there are three parts within a relationship. And I also, I feel the exact same way. Like, listen, I feel like in a relationship, you should still be able to have your individual self. Like, because you are constantly growing. You are constantly adjusting to who you are. You don't know who you are. Nobody's going to ever know exactly who they are. This is a constant growth. And so if you get into a relationship thinking that or having these expectations of my partner is supposed to be like this, that, and the third, they're supposed to know everything about me, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Because they don't even know who they are, let alone know who you are. Um, if you get into a relationship and you think that it's just about you two, you know, we we're one. We come we 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 become one. No, we don't become one. Like I have a life, you have a life, we have a life together. That's how it's supposed to be. You're still supposed to be able to have uh, social experiences out by yourself. Your partner doesn't have to do everything with you. Look, secret, for those who are not aware, your partner doesn't want to do everything with you. They don't want to be your plus one for everything just because you have a plus one. Like, that's not what they're there for. And if they tell you, no, I don't really want to do that, it doesn't make them a bad boyfriend. It doesn't make them a bad girlfriend. It just makes them a person who doesn't want to do it. And they should have that right. When we start setting these expectations once we get into a relationship that you're always supposed to do things with me because, well, you're my other half, you're looking for failure. You're looking to say, well, you used to. Who is this person? I don't know who you are. So when you have false expectations and this whole narrative in your head that, the world revolves around you and your partner, you're going to lose yourself. Um, and if you are not able to identify when you're losing yourself, I guarantee by the time you are lost, you're probably going to resent your partner for something that you actually created. Like these marriages, these failed marriages, people are not taking the time to get to know their partner. They're just jumping into it. Granted, yeah, I wish I was married right now. <laughs> of course. But at the same time, you don't want to get into a relationship with just old anybody. And you would hope that the same thing goes for them. 
towards you. You don't want to just jump into something just to say that you have a relationship. Now, speaking of jumping into things, right? Being Black in corporate America, some people call it code switching, where you're putting on a representation of the proper person within corporate America instead of who you truly are. Do you feel, Leo, that that is a case, a valid case, um, where you cannot present who Leo Flowers is in corporate America? You have to show them the perf- the perfect and, and submissive and easygoing and nothing stresses you out, Leo. You know, that's, that's a great topic. And... It, let's start from here. Mm-hmm. We as human beings have survived and thrived because of our ability to adapt and be flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had to adapt to different climates, uh, different uh, 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 cultures. You know, when we explore, you, you land on some land. It's a different culture, so we have to adapt. We have to learn. We have to find a way to uh, accommodate, assimilate, and uh, move through that way. The in terms of code switching, and I think it has a negative connotation because what it denotes to me, at least, because mm-hmm. I really haven't even looked up the, the the term, but I understand it is when you are. Um, acquiescing to a point that is detrimental to you. Mm-hmm. So it's natural and human when we're going to a new environment to learn the ways, learn how do they speak? How do they dress? What's the culture here? Mm-hmm. Right. And all right, how do I fit in? It's like, you know, there, there are times where uh, Michelle will, will have some plans with, some of Michelle's friends and it'll be a bunch of couples and, you know, I'll, I'll know of the guys, but maybe I haven't met them. Right. And if they're, if they're into a specific thing, I'll look that, I'll look up the topic. Yeah. Just uh, as a way of maybe I'm not really interested in it, but I'm interested in connecting with the people that I'm about to meet. I'm right. interested in not being bored. Yeah, because I don't know anything about what they're into, and I'm also interested in having a good time. So for me, if that means that I'm going to learn a couple things, prepare myself, and then that way we're we're having a conversation, and then at some you know, and and throughout, I'm learning about them, but then they're also in turn learning about me, right? right? So. I'm not gonna, uh, you know, study or share something or give an opinion mm-hmm. about something that I, I disagree with. Right. But I may show more interest in something that I typically not would not be interested in right. because I'm curious as to what their perspective is on it. Besides mm-hmm. what I've read, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think when we go into a new uh, company, that um, that's natural mm-hmm. to say. Hey, all right, what, where do they like to eat? What is the boss like? Especially if you're trying to move up to the management. Right. 
you're like, you know, you know, what is what does he wear? What is you know, or she yeah. like? What's what are they into? Right. And so that when we're in the office, uh, I'm not just sitting there waiting for to be evaluated. You know, I can be like, hey, so how about those Mets last night? Oh, you're yeah. a Mets fan. Yeah. Oh, see now, so code switching be like, yeah, I'm a Mets fan. That that would be inauthentic. Right. But, you know, I could say. Well, you know, man, that was just uh, I thought that was a great game last yeah. night, which, you know, it, it was if it was close. It came down, you know, that ninth inning. Wow. Mm-hmm. How incredible was that? Right. Yeah. So to find truth in what you're learning and what you're sharing and how you're incorporating versus completely lying about what you're into and who you are and what right. you believe. There's one thing to be curious and to be interested and ask questions. It's another thing to, you know, paint your skin white and, mm-hmm. you know, put on a, a blonde hair or go to opposite, paint your skin right. black and put on dreadlocks or, you know, yeah. whatever that is. Um, and so, but adapting is natural, is human. And it's the way we should be. I mean, for anybody who walks into every situation as they are, there's a level of psychosis that has to be there, right? Because I'm not going to approach a kitten the way I would approach a lion. Right. You'd have to be delusional. Yeah. (laughs) So you're not going to talk to your boss the way you talk to your child. Right. Or you won't have that job for long. Or maybe you will. Maybe you get promoted. The thing is, I, I just would, I wouldn't chance it. <laughs> right. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've never known anyone to get promoted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. It, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. And I think naturally, we, like you said, we all, we all do it. Um, it's a matter of, you know, learning. You have to learn the atmosphere. You can't, go from one department into the other department, bringing the same energy because you don't know the energy. You don't know the dynamic of that group or of that, that facility. Um, That's why perfect example, when you are going for an interview for a job, right. And you, you get the name of the business and the address and you've never been there before. What do we all do? We do a test run to make sure we know how to get there. Okay, so you're you're already adjusting. You you don't want to make a bad impression. So yeah, you are going to go there early, and you are going to make sure that okay, I give myself enough time to get there just in case something happens. It doesn't mean that you're over you're overly eager. You're you're preparing yourself. You're being proactive. Um, I feel like it's the same thing. Like how you said. Um, when you're having a conversation with the boss and learning what it is that they like, what is it that they don't like? It doesn't mean that you have to be fake or fake the funk or anything. Sometimes you may actually find out something that you're genuinely interested in and it's a surprise. Or you may have someone bring that out of you because you're not used to people talking about it. You're not used to people asking you questions. Like for me, I have people at my job that ask me about the podcast and I'm just like, wait a minute. What do you want to know? You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm not used to that. I'm used to you separate business from pleasure. 
that's just what it is. But people genuinely want to get to know you because it helps them understand your character, understand your background, what makes you happy, you know, what lights you up. So um, I, I feel like your points that you made were very valid, very good, very, very good. And it gives us all a different way to look at it if you are not already viewing it from that perspective. So I am going to ask you um, one more question and then we'll go ahead and get ready to wrap up. As a member of the Black community, I am proud of what? All of it. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of all of it. The, the 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 pain, the purpose, the struggle, the ups, the downs, the gangster rap, the conscious rap, the, the heavy heart stopping soul food Ooh. to the 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 you know the the healthy uh, island food and coconuts and plantains uh, uh, to the thuggery to the uh, the the entrepreneurship. Yeah. To the 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 passion and the the peaceful protests, mm-hmm. like all of it, um, because it's all of me. I'm all I'm all of it. You know, yeah. right now, you know, I'm, I'm very thoughtful and, uh, and I'm very present. But there are times where you know I'm off the handle. I'm off the hinge. The yeah. other night, uh, my girl said something to me, and I was like, you know what? I'm about to go for a swim. And that was code for I'm <laughs> out this house. Um, I don't know. I'm not responsible. You know what I mean? So um, I love every, you know, right before this podcast, you know, I'm listening to, you know, Martin Luther King give speeches and and Malcolm X and, but also love David Goggins, you know, uh, you know, speaking and, uh, and and also like little Wayne, it's like, all parts of, of our culture, whether it's uh, the, the, the thin, light-skinned mm-hmm. uh, Black woman or the, the thick, heavy-set, diabetes in the foot, <laughs> like, well, whatever. <laughs> like, it's, it's all beautiful to me because um, when you look at it collectively, it's almost like I, I'm, not, I'm not a great singer. I'm not even a good singer. Mm-hmm. But if you get a thousand people in a room to sing it's always beautiful yes even if even every single one of them can't sing if you get them in a room they sound beautiful and like so a choir like a choir so collectively as a people we are beautiful yeah yeah mm, 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 mm. you better come Come through, Leo. Yes. <laughs> Listen, because I tell you one thing. Where was I at? I think I was at a. Uh, I was at. I was at this lounge in Fayetteville, Georgia, called the Sugar Bush. If that don't sound country, I don't know what country is. But it's called the, the Sugar Bush. And when they started playing Keith Sweat, nobody. They started playing um, the Isley Brothers. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Everybody was singing along, whether you knew how to sing or not. That was irrelevant. The fact that you just knew the lyrics was good enough. And um, it definitely makes you appreciate the Black culture. It makes you appreciate everything that we've been through and everything that we're going to continue to go through. 
and and just be happy. Be happy that you are able to experience it because a lot of people didn't wake up this morning to experience that. So I want to go ahead and give the floor to you. Please let the great people know all about you. Where can they find you online and support what you have going on? Thank you. So I am a life coach. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching. I also have a podcast um, called Before You Kill Yourself. It's a suicide prevention podcast. Uh, But we're not just talking about mental health. We're talking about social health, emotional health, financial health, because we know that a lot of people have ended their lives due to financial uh, strains. Uh, If you're going through a transition, a a divorce, uh, job loss, uh, or even uh, some type of major health issue, you know, that that also. So we talk about how to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, socially, uh, you know, conflict resolution, all these things that that ground us uh, to each other and to earth and to life. Um, and also do stand up comedy. So uh, you, you can go to leoflowers.com for dates or go to leoflowers2000. Um, and I'm always posting flyers. I live in San Diego, but um, I do cruise ships. I was just in Alaska for the second time in in six months doing shows up there. Then I have a, a bunch of shows coming up here in uh, California, New York, and Vegas. I'm at the Vegas Comedy Cellar a lot. So, uh, yeah, that, that's – and I personal train, too. I have – I wear many hats. I figure uh-huh. if The Rock – if The Rock is, is doing movies and he has his own drink and then he's selling beverages mm-hmm. and working, it's like, I got to hustle too. I mean, this, I don't have The Rock money. So if, if he worried about money, I I, I can't, I got to keep it going. So That is funny. Thank you so much, Leo. Uh, it was a pleasure once again to have you on. I really appreciate you, of course. You are always welcome to the network. Um, Join any of our shows. And of course, I'll be reaching out to you to book you again for the later season. So um, for those of you who are tuned in, whether you're watching this as a replay or you've downloaded the episode and you're listening to us or you are even listening to us on Blue Rain Radio, we ask that you continue to support what we got going on, support our guests and their grind and their entrepreneurship And definitely reach out to us and let us know what you think. Visit the website, www.hesaidwhatnetwork.com. And um, yeah, if you want to be a guest, you can go there as well. So I wish you guys a wonderful evening. You stay safe. And Leo, once again, thank you so very much. Thank you for having me, Brittany. All right. You're welcome. Bye, guys.